On this episode of the Guest Dog Podcast, I'm taking a quick look and breaking down the first preseason AP poll for college football, which, of course, is only a few weeks away at this point. Plus, I'm going to give a quick scenario about baseball and who's in and who's definitely out. And you'll find that plus a little bit more on this episode of the Get Stoked Podcast. Here we go. Welcome back to the Get Stuck Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I hope everyone is doing well. Happy Tuesday. And to kick things off here, we have the first AP poll of the college football rankings. And, of course, it is 1 through 25 with Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame to round out the top five. Then we have Texas A&M, Utah, Michigan, Oklahoma, Baylor, Oregon, Oklahoma State, NC State, USC, Michigan State, Miami, Pittsburgh, Wisconsin, Arkansas, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Wake Forest, Cincinnati, Houston, and Brigham Young. And look at, looking at this uh, for the first time today, for me at least, it's a solid list. I have to give them that. It is, it's a good list. Uh, of course, Alabama and Ohio State are going to be in the top five. Georgia's going to be in the top five considering they are the reigning national champions. Uh, but Clemson, Notre Dame, I would not necessarily have them up there. Uh, they really have not proven much to me other than being historically good schools, other than that. And I would put in the top five, I would put Michigan at four and then Texas A&M at five. And then I'd have Utah 6, Clemson 7, Notre Dame 8, and then 9 and 10 still be the same of Oklahoma and Baylor. But overall, other than that, I think it's a good list. And with Notre Dame, I they have a lot to prove in this upcoming season. They have a new head coach. They have a new offense, new quarterback, new coaches. Uh, of course, they're... Not ever going to leave South Bend, Indiana, but I will say it is they do have a lot to prove. And with their new coach of Coach Freeman being a first year head coach, but being with the program for, I believe, eight years, he he is stepping up to a position that is not easy to fill, especially at the collegiate level. And. When Brian Kelly went down to LSU, which I'm surprised they are not on this list, which I'm, I'm kind of happy that they're not. And uh, looking, scrolling down the page now, that there's the FCS coaches poll, which is North Dakota State, Montana, South Dakota State, Montana State, Villanova, Kennesaw State, Sacramento State, Missouri State, a lot of states, my goodness, Missouri State, uh, Southern Illinois, Stephen F. Austin, East Tennessee State, Eastern Washington, Chattanooga, Incarnate Word, UT Martin, SE Louisiana, Jackson State, Holy Cross, Delaware, 
and Delaware does have the winged helmet, much like Michigan, but they got it, of course, from Michigan. Then they have Weber State, Northern Iowa, UC Davis, Mercer, Rhode Island, and Richmond, rounding out the top 25. And I'm going to go to the Division Two here in a second, but coming back to the Division One FBS, as it was formerly called, uh, I I really do like this list. It is it's a solid list. It has some teams in there that you don't typically see, like Kentucky, like Pittsburgh, like North Carolina State, uh, Houston, BYU rounding out the top twenty-five. Wake Forest is in there. They have been they've been better the past couple of years, uh, kind of rising up to the occasion when Clemson fell short. And then, let's see here, you have Wisconsin, who's always been consistent in the top 25 for the last 10 years. Miami having something to prove when they have a new offensive coordinator. They have a bunch of good recruits that they have been able to snag. And then Michigan State with Mel Tucker and his revitalized offense and defense coming in to the top 15. Uh, of course, that is yet to be seen if they can prove everyone wrong and attempt to make the Big Ten championship over Ohio State and Michigan. That's their tall task for this season for Michigan State, beating Ohio State, beating Michigan, and marching their way into a potential Big Ten championship over potentially Wisconsin, Iowa, or maybe even Minnesota. And I'm going to throw Indiana in that list because I can see them as a dark horse team in the Big Ten, even though they are not ranked, even though they're not even having receiving votes. And some of those teams include Iowa, Penn State, LSU, Minnesota, Purdue, Kansas State, Florida, Boise State, Appalachian State, Air Force, uh, Nebraska, and San Diego State. So there's a lot of Big Ten teams in the other receiving votes column that is I feel that they're going to be some dark horse teams and Ole Miss is in that conversation as well in the top 25 USC has a lot to prove as well and they're not going to be the only ones I already mentioned Notre Dame Clemson has to reclaim their position as a national powerhouse after falling short for the past couple of years Oklahoma lost Lincoln Riley. They lost their quarterback, Caleb Williams. Baylor is trying to step up to the plate and overcome that Oklahoma hoop. As well as North Carolina State being in the ACC where you are competing against Wake Forest, Clemson, and Miami. And so this this AP poll right here is a very competitive poll to begin with the preseason poll. Of course, this has nothing to do with where things lie in week one. This could flip 180 after week one begins. I'm just throwing it out there, but Oklahoma State could shoot up six, seven spots. Alabama could even lose the first game, which is unlikely, but they they could. Ohio State could lose this first game against Notre Dame. Texas A&M may shoot up six spots to replace Alabama at number one. You never know. And that's the beauty of a preseason poll like this. 
This one, I think, is the best one that I've seen in a while. Other than Clemson, Notre Dame in the top four and five spots, I really like this list. I'm happy with this list. Uh, It has a lot of potential. It puts teams in a good position, especially for Michigan being the reigning Big Ten champs. They They have a position to climb up the leaderboards and prove everyone wrong again and prove that they belong in the top five conversation. And same thing with Oklahoma. They, of course, they lost a lot of players. They could either rise or fall. That's with anyone on this list. They will either rise, stay the same, or fall. And that's, again, the beauty of this list. And looking at this complete list, I'd say a dark horse team out of all the 25 teams on this list, if I could pick any one, I would choose Arkansas. Arkansas has proved to be a dark horse team in the past, especially last season when they played very well in the SEC when it was really just Alabama and Georgia and everyone else was falling short. I believe Arkansas finished 9-3 in the conference, right behind Georgia, right behind Alabama, ahead of Auburn, Florida, LSU, and it was a very dark horse moment for them where they could have potentially made a New Year's Six Bowl, and I think that still proves true for Arkansas. And same thing went with their basketball program in March Madness when they shut out Gonzaga in March Madness. I think the same could be said for this football team. They could take down the behemoth of Alabama. They could take down Georgia if they play them a season. I'm not exactly sure their entire schedule, but they have a lot of potential in the SEC conference. They have so their first game is against number 23 Cincinnati. That's going to be a very interesting matchup. Then you have South Carolina, Missouri State, then at Texas A&M. That's their first big road contest and again I will break all these schedules down in an upcoming video before the season starts then you're hosting Alabama that's going to be a very good October game for Arkansas on their home turf it's going to be packed I have a good feeling Arkansas is going to be at least three and one going into this playoff or not excuse me this game in October and then you're at Mississippi State at BYU which in the middle of the season like that, I'm not exactly sure why they did that. Then you're at Auburn versus Liberty, then hosting LSU, hosting Ole Miss, and then at Missouri. And I again, Arkansas, looking at this list, I see, I can see them go 9-3 minimum again, maybe 10-2, depending on who and how they're positioned and who they play. And that's my pick for a dark horse for this upcoming season. I would say another team could be Houston out of the AAC conference, but that's for another video as they they could definitely take the conference over Memphis, over SMU, and I'm excited to see how this plays out. And I did say I'd come back to the, the Division II coaches poll, and this one is a little bit closer for me as I'm a Grand Valley alum. So number one is Ferris State, the reigning champions. And then you have Northwest Missouri State, which is a big rival of Grand Valley. Same with Ferris State. Then you have Valdosta State, 
and then the Colorado School of Mines, Grand Valley rounding up the top five, Shepard, Angelo State, Bowie State, Harding University, Notre Dame College, West Florida, West Georgia, Cootstown, Nebraska, Kearney, Newberry, New Haven, Western Colorado, Albany State, Lenar, Rhine, Wichita Baptist, California, and then parentheses PA, and then Bemidji State, Slippery Rock, which to all the Michigan fans who find this podcast, that is a very familiar name, Midwestern State, and last but not least, Augustana University. And for going back to Grand Valley for a second, the first game of the season is in September, and they are hosting Colorado School of Mines. That is going to be the first top five matchup for Grand Valley in several years as an opening game. That is going to be a packed Lubber Stadium. It's going to be in a f- fantastic environment. It gives Grand Valley the home advantage, but also with Cade Peterson being at quarterback, Matt Mitchell, who I interviewed earlier this year, it has gives him the opportunity to show what his team can do. And with that home advantage, it gives you a big edge over a school like Colorado School of Mines, who is also a more recent powerhouse in Division Two. And I this this looks fantastic. I, the top five are all powerhouses, and they will always be powerhouses according to Division Two. But all of these all of these lists are very well done, and I. The AP did it right on every aspect of everything, really. And I I want to see how week one plays out in the next coming weeks. Transitioning now to the diamond away from the turf, which, of course, some MLB teams do play on turf. I'm going to break down what I, who I think is definitely in and definitely out of the upcoming MLB playoffs next month or late next month. And I'm going to start off with, of course, the Detroit Tigers. They are by far out. They have proved to be very inconsistent with how much talent they have. They've been mismanaged quite a bit. And I'm going to put a little bit of the blame on AJ Hinch here. He is he, of course, he's been held back a little bit by Alavila, but now he's gone. And I'm I'm going to put a little bit of the blame on A.J. Hinch. He has not utilized this roster to its full potential. He has not utilized his team to their full capabilities. And, of course, we've had some injuries. We've had some players step away for a little bit, and we've had some trades, which I really did not agree with. And with these Detroit Tigers, it is it still feels like that rebuild mode that has been going on for the last four, five, six seasons. And as a Tigers fan, and I, I feel like I can speak for everyone on this, it's not a good feeling where you get good players but you have to trade them away for better for prospects or for picks. And that's just it's just a never-ending cycle, and it's it has me thinking: When is this going to end? When can we actually break that bubble 
and be a playoff team again? When can we be a feared team again? When we had Justin Verlander, when we had prime Miguel Cabrera, when we had Jose Iglesias, that was a feared team. Justin Verlander was one of the most feared pitchers in all of baseball. And now he's he's doing very well down in Houston. And he's a feared pitcher, but not what he once was. And I think the management as a whole for the Tigers organization has just been a pile of burning garbage. And I I feel like I'm not the only one thinking that. But to round my first team out, it's gonna it's gotta be the Tigers. It's gotta be the Tigers. And my next team on the list, I'm gonna name two who are kind of in the same boat. Uh, one being the Oakland Athletics, where they can barely get 5,000 people into the stands in Oakland. And then another team I have is Oakland A's, Detroit Tigers, Kansas City Royals. Uh, the, again, they won the World Series back if several years ago, and they, they've just been not the same since. And... The next, same thing goes for the Los Angeles Angels. They have Mike Trout. They have Shohei Otani. They have some of the best players in baseball today, and they are unable to make the playoffs. They are just lacklustered, and they they get these good players, and they just cannot seem to get it right. And and I'm gonna for each uh, league, I'm I'm just gonna do the four bottom teams who I think are definitive outs in in a playoff scenario. So, of course, looking at it right now, it's got to be Los Angeles Angels, Kansas City, Detroit, and Oakland. And then going over to the National League, the Washington Nationals, when they had Juan Soto, he was really only their glue. He was their glue that made them look good on paper, but they did not look good. Now they he's out in San Diego. Uh, they, they got all these picks, all these players, but it's going to take time for them to get back and be a competing team again. Same thing with Pittsburgh and then Cincinnati. They have actually improved quite a bit since the beginning of the season, but I I'm impressed with how Cincinnati has started to slowly get better over the course of the season. Now they are, slowly getting better in the way that the Tigers should be doing. But they are still a team that's not going to pierce that playoff bubble. And I'd say for the cutoff from the National League, it's going to be in between Arizona and Miami. And for the American League, I'm going to say in between Chicago and Boston. But sticking with the National League here for a second, Chicago, ever since they won that World Series back in 16, they've they're probably going to it's probably going to be a, another 100 years until they win another world series again because they traded away Anthony Rizzo, they traded away all their star players, Chris Bryant. And of course, it's in a rebuild mode much like a lot of these teams are. And it's going to be the Cubs, the Reds, the Pirates and the Nationals for me in the National League and saying and I'm going to look ahead now at the mo- the top four spots that are secured for each league. So it's going to be, of course, the Astros, the Yankees. I'm a little iffy on. They've won the last 9 out of 11 in their 
and whoever they've been playing. But I'm going to I'm gonna say the Yankees for now. But if they continue losing the way that they are, I don't think they could have a secured spot. Tampa Bay Rays, I can definitely see that. And one of the more surprising teams for the American League, I would say the Seattle Mariners. They were winning 14 games to become the most hot, the red, how am I trying to say this? The hottest team in baseball. They are still the hottest team in baseball. I believe they've won the last five out of seven games. And with just winning earlier this today or yesterday, and Seattle, for me, they've been a red-hot team for all of summer, ever since June, basically. And it was not until mid-June where they actually found their groove and said, all right, we're going to just kick everybody's butts. And they they have. And I was so surprised to see that coming from Seattle, who was four, they were 14 below 500 at one point. And then they just crawled back for 17 straight games maybe losing one or two in there. But for 14 games in a row, they have been red hot. And this was last month in July. And now they are they are sitting pretty at the fourth spot in the American League. They're 12 games behind the Houston Astros, but they are tied right now technically with games behind with Tampa Bay. And I would and just for fun measure, I'm going to throw in Cleveland in there for a second. They are 12 and a half games behind, but they've proven themselves to be very good in the American Central Division over Minnesota, who was red hot earlier this season. They've cooled off quite a bit, but Cleveland has shown to me that they have become better with each and every game. They have shown me that they can do things right from the get-go, from from everything from the swing to the bunt, the pitch, to just ground ball field work to every aspect of the game and they just continue to get better and I that's something I wish the Tigers can take note of and they have not and then moving on to the National League of course you have the Los Angeles Dodgers you have the New York Mets who have been more surprising to me because they're typically a middle middle of the pack team there that would be for a position I would say for maybe the San Francisco Giants or the Milwaukee Brewers or even the St. Louis Cardinals. And then at number three of the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies have actually done much better. And I personally have not paid much attention to Philadelphia, but with Bryce Harper kind of being the, the face of that franchise, I think they've done a phenomenal job with keeping him on the roster after he was with the Nationals for several years. And I'm excited to see what, he can do continuing forward and let's see if Philadelphia can overcome six games behind Atlanta and get secured that three seed spot in the national league. And currently the longest win streak right now is currently with Atlanta at eight games. And the longest losing streak is with Oakland at nine games, which Oakland I don't think it's going to get much better for you. Even with a move to Las Vegas, potentially, the team's still going to stink because moving to a different city does not make you much better. And I would say with the exception 
of the Los Angeles Rams now that they've won a Super Bowl. And I would say the Vegas Golden Knights who went to the Stanley Cup in their first season. But with Seattle, uh, looking at the crack and not the Mariners for a second, their first season absolutely was terrible. And that was okay. No one had high expectations for them. But Oakland, I feel like they're going to be at the bottom of the pack for quite a long time. If Kyler Murray had stuck with baseball, I feel like they may be in a little bit better of a position. But he's now with the Arizona Cardinals. You can't do much about it now. And that that's kind of my quick look at the current standings, but a projection into the upcoming playoffs. But we'll definitely see how this pans out in the next few months. Before I go, uh, one last thing that I would like to share, which is Fernando Tatis Jr. a few days ago was hit with a 80-game suspension uh, for having a performance-enhancing drug with a prescription he was taking. And <clears throat> excuse me, and he was kind of unaware that it was in the drug itself. And, of course, he was waiting to come back from a wrist injury, which had not allowed him to play all season. But this is coming out after the blockbuster trade that San Diego had with Washington for acquiring Juan Soto. And, of course, with Manny Machado in the mix, too, they have become, I think, a title contender this season. But with that absence of Teddy's Jr., that's a big blow for the Padres and it stinks to see that happen, but it happens more often than not. Unfortunately uh, with these PEDs, but even though he's going to be supporting his team from the dugout, I hope he can give his team some pointers and help him out in any way he can, other than uh, swinging the bat or throwing from shortstop. And he's only 23 years old. And he's extremely remorseful about it. He regrets using that specific drug, uh, even if he really was not aware that it was in uh, the prescription he was taking. But I just hope that this is a learning lesson, not just for him, but for the MLB as a whole. And really, there's going to be stuff like this that happens again. I'm certain of it. As, as terrible as that is to say, it's going to happen again. But I'm much like the steroid use in the 80s with Barry Bonds and all those jacked-up players, it's going to be an issue for years to come as, uh, of course, less and less players are finally realizing, you know, this is kind of serious, and it's an unfair advantage for them against other teams. And, of course, he did not have any time to actually swing the bat at the plate, but of course we'll see what happens with the Padres coming up for the rest of the season. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Get So Podcast. Be sure to come back Friday for more content. Uh, with a previous uh, podcast episode, I decided to take it down. I didn't really, per I personally thought I could have done better. Uh, so I'm going to be redoing my uh, episode on the bunt and kind of the historical importance of it. Uh, it was just, to me, it was, it could have been a lot better. And I know a few people have listened to it, but you're going to hear it again if you had already. 
but just it's going to be much better. Uh, that will be coming Friday. Uh, stay tuned for that. Plus, uh, more news uh, will come around, and I'll be ready for it. And this Thursday, uh, just a quick thing. Uh, what am I going to say? Oh, here we go. Uh, there is a Michigan alumni luncheon up in my hometown of Petoskey that I will be attending, and I'll be listening to John Beeline speak and hopefully uh, get him as a potential guest on this sh- podcast. But stay tuned as I will share my thoughts on what he had to say. Uh, that's coming up on Friday as well. Uh, have a good rest of the week. We'll see you Friday. Stay safe. Stay cool. We'll see you then.